I'm Jack Newton, CEO of Clio, and this is the Daily Matters podcast. On Daily Matters, we talk with legal professionals, industry leaders, and subject matter experts about the future of law. We explore where the legal industry is headed, how legal practice is changing, and what you can be doing to position yourself for success. Today's guest is me. To celebrate our 100th episode, the Daily Matters podcast producers, Andrew Booth, Derek Bolin, and Sam Rosenthal, will be flipping the script and interviewing me. Gentlemen, take it away. Thanks, Jack, but we need to intro you properly. Jack Newton is the co-founder and CEO of Clio, the leading cloud-based legal software. Jack is also the co-founder and president of the Legal Cloud Computing Association, the author of the legal bestseller, The Client-Centered Law Firm, and the usual host of the Daily Matters podcast. And he's our boss, so we really hope he likes this episode. Let's get started. So Jack, when the pandemic first hit, uh, in addition to all the other transitions that were going on for the company, you made the decision to host a daily podcast for the legal industry. Why was that important to you? What I realized early on in the pandemic was that you know, one of the most important roles Clio could, could play was helping our customers navigate the unbelievable amount of change and uncertainty that COVID-19 represented. And we did a whole bunch of things to, to support our, our customers in the industry as a whole, including launching a million dollar COVID-19 relief fund uh, back, in, back in March. But over and above financial relief, we also realized that there was a, a real need for almost dispatches from the front lines in terms of how COVID-19 was impacting lawyers how lawyers were, were navigating the challenges that were uh, being presented by COVID-19. And we, we realized actually that there wasn't really a, a resource out there that was doing that in the form that we thought would be uh, consumable and real time uh, as, uh, as we imagined and, and launched this podcast as, uh, as a way of, of filling that, that need and giving exactly that, that kind of frontline dispatch in terms of, COVID-19's impacts on lawyers and, and, and how specific lawyers were navigating the challenges presented by COVID-19. Jack, it's uh, Andrew Booth, your longtime listener, first-time caller to the <laughs> podcast. 99 episodes in, which I think, uh, you know, well, now 100 technically. Um, at the same time that Daily Matters started, you know, obviously the entire legal industry and the world seemingly was shifting to some sort of like work-from-home setup. And Clio, the company at the same time, was also transitioning to this distributed model as well. I'm curious, um, how did your learnings from the podcast like influence this transition or vice versa? Like, how did that relationship work? Yeah, so as, as you pointed out, we shifted back in uh, March 13th was the, the date that we uh, shifted all of Clio to distributed work from home environment. And we, we closed our five worldwide offices. Uh, and, and today, uh, on October 7th, those, those offices remain closed. Uh, and, and our entire workforce is, is working remote, working in this, this new distributed by design world. And another piece that I, I think we had felt like we had something to share from the Clio side of things with a, with a broader audience and, and, and something we felt the, the podcast would be able to help our listeners with 
is in understanding how you really navigate this world of distributed work and remote work. And Clio actually has working remote in its DNA. We, we, when we launched the company 12 years ago in, in 2008, uh, my co-founder Ryan and, and I were separated by uh, over a thousand miles and, and lived in different cities in, uh, in, in Canada. And today our workforce, even pre-COVID was fairly distributed with, with multiple worldwide offices and uh, many of our team that work from, from home, even as I mentioned before COVID hit. Leveraging cloud-based tools and cloud-based communication tools like Zoom and video chats, for example, were something that were already woven into our daily cadence and our way of operating. So we, we feel in a lot of ways we had an operating system built out for how you do distributed work um, and wanted to share that out uh, with our listeners. We, we also, by the way, learned a ton over the course of doing the podcast from, from law firms and from individuals uh, that had also been working from, from home for long periods of time and found ways of connecting personally with their, uh, with their colleagues, of connecting with their clients, of building interpersonal rapport, of uh, avoiding Zoom fatigue. Uh, so it was, it was really kind of a, a great two-way street I think that we were able to establish on this uh, on this podcast journey of sharing out some of our learnings but also uh, picking up some great tips and tricks along the way from our uh, from our guests on the podcast you know something that we sort of forgot to do here which was a foundational question to at least like the first 50 interviews that you did it seemed was asking the interviewee how they're doing so we're curious. Jack, how are you doing in the context of all that's happening? So perhaps it's something uh, perverse about being uh, an entrepreneur, uh, but I actually find all of the, the change and the accelerated pace of change that COVID has brought along to be um, really invigorating and uh, energizing. And I know that sounds like a bizarre thing to be saying against the the backdrop of uh, obviously so much illness and uh, and and health issues and and, and death in uh, in the United States and Canada and, and around the world as well as well as the uh, economic devastation that's uh, that's accompanying the the health crisis uh, of COVID nineteen. But at the end of the day, I, I I think there's a lot of cause to be optimistic about some of the long term shifts that COVID nineteen will help bring about to the world at large uh, and the legal industry in particular. And I think it's helping accelerate the change that needed to happen. And, and in, in the case of some areas like, like the courts, for example, driving change that um, may have never happened if it weren't for the grand experiment that COVID-19 has kind of forced the world into. So that is what I remain optimistic about. And that's what my, uh, daily energy comes from basically, I guess, is, is thinking about how can we uh, try to drive some positives out of uh, this crisis and how can we try to turn uh, what is obviously a negative on so many fronts into uh, a set of positive changes for, uh, for clients, for lawyers, and for, for access to justice as a whole. 
Yeah, with that in mind, Jack, uh, you personally and Clio as a company have kind of been advocates for these foundational changes in the legal industry for quite some time. Uh, how does it feel to, to kind of witness those changes taking place, even if it was uh, something like COVID that, that ended up uh, driving them? Yeah, I, I think it's been uh, validating on, on one front. I think we're seeing that that many of the uh, changes we thought would eventually come to legal are actually uh, arriving earlier than expected, which is uh, which is great. And I think those changes, by the way, are are exciting for a few reasons. They're not just technology changes or technology adoption. These are these are underlying changes that will actually help drive access to justice. Uh, will help bridge what I describe as the product market fit gap between lawyers and consumers today, and ultimately will make lawyers uh, more successful and help make their clients happier and more satisfied with the legal services that they're, uh, they're delivering. And I, I think even, even foundational changes like uh, more lawyers working from home, law firms working in a highly distributed way, collaborating with their clients over, uh, over a Zoom call as, as kind of a standard mode of operating. This is, th these are all things that I believe would eventually take place in legal and changes that would eventually happen, but they're, they're changes that have ended happening uh, probably a decade or more earlier than I, uh, than I thought they would. But this is good news because the, the future we were imagining was a better future for lawyers and for clients. And, and, and that's just arrived early. And it's arrived you know, also against uh, a, a context where there's a tsunami of legal issues building and that will be needed, uh, need to be addressed over the course of uh, the months that, that follow COVID-19. And when we eventually get on the, the other side of this, there will be an enormous backlog of legal issues that need addressed. And there will be consumers that are less willing, than, less willing and less able than ever to afford the traditional mode of consuming legal services. So if you're a lawyer that's ready and able to innovate, uh, it's an enormously exciting time to be thinking about how you meet uh, the demand that will be uh, forming over the coming months. Yeah. So, uh, Jack, you know, to recap a little bit, I won't go through all of it, but uh, when we started, you hadn't ever been a, a podcast host before. How does it feel now to be reaching episode 100? Did you ever think we'd get to this point? It's kind of hard to internalize, actually. Uh, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but uh, it doesn't feel like it's been 100 episodes and maybe like uh, all forms of time over the course of, of COVID. Uh, my sense of uh, doing these podcasts has, has kind of blurred together a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm kind of amazed and, and proud of the fact that we've hit episode 100 and, and likewise you guys uh, I hope feel the, the same sense of accomplishment. There's a lot of podcasts in the world uh, and there's not many that have made it to uh, episode, uh, episode 100. And I think what I was uh, maybe most happily surprised by is just how deeply insightful I've found so many of the conversations we've had uh, to be and and not that I wasn't expecting uh, this to to drive uh, some interesting conversations, but maybe in the way that it's changed my own perspectives on some really meaningful issues um, is something that has been 
uh, a happy surprise for me. And, and the fact that you can have some pretty profound conversations in a, a 30 or 45 minute container, I think is, um, is another uh, insight for me. The, the format of a podcast is, is also, I, I realized, a little bit of a, a superpower in terms of driving an interesting conversation with somebody in that if I sat down with almost any one of my guests that, that I've had uh, over the course of the last 99 episodes, that conversation would play out in a completely different way if I was just to say, Let, let's jump on a Zoom call and talk for 35 or 45 minutes. With, with a podcast format, I'm able to drive to really deep and important questions right off the bat um, and, and be curious in a way that uh, I, I think is very hard to be in a, a kind of standard issue social conversation. So the information content as a result uh, is, uh, is super high. And I, I think there's a level of um, directness and, and like I said, almost a level of information content that is quite different than your, your average conversation. So, um, and a great excuse to have a conversation with, with somebody, by the way, as well. Um, we all find it hard to carve out time in our day for uh, ad hoc conversations, but structuring the time around a podcast, I found, you know, I, those were a hundred conversations that I probably wouldn't have had over the course of the last six months if it weren't for the podcast. And I'm, I'm thankful for having had the opportunity to have every single one of those conversations. You know, I think that it's really interesting what you, what you're saying about just the value of having that, those podcast conversations. Uh, and to recap for our guests a little bit, you've interviewed on this podcast, Seth Godin, Angela Duckworth, Shaka Senghor, David Latt, Ken White, aka Popat, Richard Susskind, Paula Davis-Lack, Brian Cuban, Gina Cho, spoken to the global chairman of the world's largest law firm, president of the ABA, the chair of the ABA's COVID task force, president of the New York State Bar, future president of the Law Society of England and Wales, and you've welcomed so many lawyers, founders, CEOs, legal consultants, social justice advocates, and other figures at the intersection of legal and tech. When we were starting this out, I mean, did, did you think that we would get this kind of robust, you know, connection of people from all different walks of life and worlds? Or, you know, for me, certainly, this, this is more than I expected. Oh, it, it's, it, it's way more than I expected. And I, I think what, what's so interesting is if you, you rewind to even what we thought we would be covering with the podcast back in, in March when we, we launched it, we were really laser focused on COVID-19 and uh, the, 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 the collateral impacts around COVID-19. And I, I think what's played out in the last six months, no, nobody had in mind what was in store for, for the world over the remainder of 2020. We've had uh, such a huge spotlight uh, that got Sean on the Black Lives Matter movement. We've had one of the biggest social movements and civil rights movements in uh, since the 1960s and perhaps ever. We've seen uh, obviously widespread economic devastation uh, affecting different uh, different people in materially different ways and got a chance to uh, explore that. Uh, we did a, a deep dive on uh, systemic racism and, and in particular how that uh, continues to persist in the, the legal system in 
uh, in the year 2020 and, and in a lot of ways uh, um, has not seen the progress that even other industries and other spaces of the uh, of our society have seen over the course of the last uh, the last decade and drove some really important conversations and again some insightful conversations for uh, for me over the course of the last six months that uh, that again, we had we had no idea these would be the issues that would be coming to the fore over the course of uh, of 2020 when we launched the podcast in uh, in in March. Uh, but again, I'm I'm glad that it created a venue for us to have those those really crucial conversations because um, you know they they certainly enriched my perspective on some very key issues and. And likewise, for, for our listeners, um, I, I hope it helped advance uh, their thinking on those, those issues as well. Above and beyond, um, you know, those, those issues that, that, that came to the fore over the course of 2020, I think we, we actually did a great job of touching not just on COVID-19 and how lawyers are navigating the immediate crisis that COVID-19 is presenting, but how they can be thinking more strategically about embracing technology, business practices, uh, and health practices to evolve their business model and to avoid the risks of, of burnout, uh, avoid the risks of, um, of various types of uh, mental fatigue that are afflicting so many of us today. Um, and conversations with, for example, you mentioned Paula Davis-Lack, unbelievably insightful perspective on how we can uh, maintain our mental energy and avoid burnout and so on. So certainly some topics and perspectives that uh, when we launched this in March, um, and I think, you know, many of us thought this is, this is going to be three months uh, of, uh, of COVID and then we'll get on the other side of this. It's obviously turned into something that will be with us for uh, many months to come, perhaps years to come. Uh, finding new ways of, of kind of reframing and rethinking what does it mean to navigate COVID has uh, it, certainly been one of the themes of the, the podcast and uh, again enormously helpful to me and, and hopefully to our listeners as well. Yeah, I'm almost nostalgic for for going back to the days where it seemed like this was just going to be a, a three-month thing and then done. exactly exactly be gone by June. Yeah um, so Sam covered it a little bit but um, you know, we, the most surprising thing to me was that this podcast ended up being the vehicle to have uh, just the breadth of guests that we've had on. Like you've talked to regulatory body leaders, you've talked to social justice and mental health advocates, all the way down to solo attorneys on, on how they were navigating this situation. Um, over the, the hundred or so conversations you've had, what are some of the most important things you've learned about the state of the legal industry? Uh, and maybe you can touch on how that's led to a shift in, in how Clio as an entity is, is approaching the next five, 10 years. I, I think what came through so loud and clear in the, the conversations as we headed into to COVID with, uh, with lawyers that were um, facing this new reality of, of delivering legal services in, in a COVID world was that the uh, requirements of what they needed from their technology really shifted 180 degrees um, almost overnight. And if you look at the, um, the way you, to your questions about how, how did this impact almost my perspective on what Clio needed to do and, and, and in particular what our product team 
needed to, uh, to do to navigate this change. Um, it, it really amounted to us feeding the roadmap we had for 2020 into the shredder and, and rethinking from the ground up, what does Clio look like in, in a COVID world and what does Clio look like in a post-COVID world? And in particular, how do we enable law firms uh, to truly move to being cloud-based? And when we talked about being a cloud-based law firm or using cloud-based technology back in 2008 when we launched Clio, it was really focused on this idea of moving your, your on-premise software into the cloud. So you're, you're moving your practice management software from a server to the cloud and accessing it through a web browser. And that was kind of moving to the cloud. Moving to the cloud in the year 2020, and I think you know, COVID helped accelerate this, uh, this, this change that, that was coming eventually, but it certainly arrived now. Being in the cloud means you're you more fulsomely moving your entire law firm operations to the cloud. You are delivering legal services to your clients through the cloud. You're meeting with them in the cloud over, over Zoom call. You're acquiring your clients online. Uh, you're, you're delivering your work product to your clients online. They're signing legal documents online with, with e-signature. You're billing your clients online and getting paid online. Uh, you're collaborating with your colleagues online in a highly distributed way. Uh, and obviously all of that, supporting all of that has profound impacts for lawyers and, and, and how they operate, the, the capabilities that they expect from Clio, which, which really is to enable uh, a cloud-based law firm to operate uh, effectively. And, and lastly, I, I, I think, you know, it, it also helped for us, we realized that this shift was more than just a product shift, there was a whole bunch of education uh, and help that needed to be deployed to law firms to help navigate this change. Because this is not just embracing new technology, this is embracing a new world of work. This is embracing uh, working with your clients in a completely different way. It's a, embracing a way of working with your colleagues in a completely different way. This for a lot of law firms was uh, embracing a model where they're needing to trust their employees in a completely different way. Uh, you've got employees working from, uh, from home, working you know, on, a, on a laptop that you've got new security considerations. How do you ensure that your client data is safe and secure in this new distributed world? So we, we likewise invested in, in what we termed internally uh, as Project Ether, but this broader effort to help customers navigate to the cloud, not just uh, from a technology perspective, but from a workflow and working with their employees' perspective, how do we make that shift uh, effective, and how do we make how do we help make our customers successful in making that shift? All right, so maybe pulling at that thread a little bit and uh, looking forward a little more. It's a pretty common refrain um, that I've seen all across a lot of industries, but it's kind of building a new future versus just going back to the way things were. Um, with that in mind, what, what does a reimagined legal industry look like to you and, and how is Clio going to help the industry get there? Yeah, great question. Uh, I, I talk a lot about the concept of let's build a better normal rather than just a, a new normal. And I, I think what COVID has helped all of us realize is that there was a lot of 
ways that we were stuck almost in the way we were delivering legal services, a huge amount of inertia that existed around the, uh, the status quo for the delivery of legal services that got put on its head overnight with, with COVID. And I, I think part of what should become our, our new normal and our better normal is embracing all the things we've realized that uh, actually work better in, uh, in, in this new world. And, and that'll be an example, for example, uh, or sorry, for example, we've seen that Zoom calls can really effectively replace so much of what might have been done face-to-face -face, in person in a bricks and mortar law office. I think one of the changes uh, we've seen that will be a permanent change, uh, at least for the more innovative law firms out there, is a realization that maybe they don't need their bricks and mortar law office anymore. Um, or, or if they do still need some form of bricks and mortar law office, the reason that that law, that bricks and mortar law office exists and the way that they use the space will change dramatically. I think we've seen from the client side, by the way, uh, a realization that they actually likewise prefer interacting with their lawyers online. They like the seamlessness, for example, of e-signatures over a wet signature. They prefer a Zoom call over having to get in their car and commuting to uh, their lawyer's downtown office and paying for parking and waiting in a lobby and and having you know what might be a longer meeting than necessary uh, to really advance their legal matter. Uh, I've I've heard some clients comment on the fact that they feel like they've been been, been getting better service from their lawyers over the course of the COVID nineteen pandemic uh, because they've been more responsive, traveling less, more available, stuck in fewer meetings. Uh, and, and the corollary that they see, by the way, is if I'm getting better service, um, why don't they go and walk away from that million dollar lease that they've got in uh, some expensive downtown AAA office space and pass on those savings to me? So I think those are some of the structural changes that we'll, we'll see as permanent outcomes of COVID-19 that, again, will be, I, I believe, ultimately positive changes for the legal industry. And when we start eliminating some of the needless overhead that exists in the way that legal services are delivered today. Um, and, and physical office space is a great example of that. Those savings can be passed on to consumers and also shared uh, by, by the lawyer. And we can end up in a situation where lawyers are actually more profitable, making more money, but still able to deliver legal services uh, at a more cost-effective rate for consumers than they were able to previously. I also believe the, the other shoe yet to drop uh, with COVID-19 is the economic strain that so many consumers are, are experiencing, coupled with a surge in legal matters that consumers are experiencing. And we've seen this come through very clearly in the, our, our latest legal trends report data. Those two factors are gonna coalesce in a way that forces lawyers to reconsider how they bill clients, how they price and package their legal services. And we've talked about the death of the, the billable hour for you know, 20 or 30 years in the legal industry. And I, I think COVID-19 might be one of the factors to finally uh, put a nail in that coffin because uh, it's very clear that the billable hour model will not work for 
consumers that are experiencing this kind of economic strain. And it's a huge opportunity, again, for innovative lawyers to separate from, from the pack and to think about new and innovative ways of pricing and packaging their legal services. And I want to underscore a super important point here. This doesn't mean making less money either. And what we've seen repeatedly in our conversations over the course of uh, the last six months on this podcast is the lawyers that are finding ways of pricing and packaging their services uh, with innovative subscription models, for example, or fixed fee models are making more money and have more predictable cash flows than they were previously. I think that's a, a, a misconception that many lawyers have that uh, making their services more accessible means the, that they will be making less money in themselves. And that's simply not true. Got it. And Jack, uh, you've touched on some of these things already a little bit, but tomorrow you're going to open the all virtual 2020 Clio Cloud Conference with your keynote presentation. Without giving too much away, what are some of the main topics you'll be speaking about? Exactly what I've just spent a few minutes describing, actually, which is going to be a vision for what the future of legal looks like, what changes we've seen COVID-19 accelerate, uh, and which of those changes uh, that I believe will be enduring changes, and what opportunities these, these changes ultimately present uh, lawyers with. And, and one of the takeaways from, from my opening keynote will be that periods of change and transformation always present opportunities for people to, to innovate. And COVID-19 is, uh, is no different. And for the lawyers that figure out a way of assimilating this unbelievable amount of information and taking advantage of the opportunity for, for change, there, there's an enormous outcome available for them to make a positive impact uh, on, on their law firm, to make a positive impact on their clients, and to make a positive impact on access to justice. And that will be you know, the, the, the call to action uh, as we head into the, the, the remaining four days of, of CleoCon is take advantage of the uh, information being presented. We're going to walk through our uh, 2020 legal trends report, talk about some of the key findings from that legal, uh, from the new legal trends report. Uh, we'll also be talking about uh, a set of new product capabilities that we'll be announcing at, at ClioCon as well, uh, and equipping lawyers with all the tools they need to go out and succeed in this crazy, uncertain world that we're all navigating right now. So Jack, uh, something that, that you personally and, and Clio as a company has been really laser focused on over the past year has been this philosophy of, of client centrism and, and building a, a law firm that pays more attention to the, the needs and, and wants of clients. Um, what are some of the most glaring and, and obvious ways that you've seen uh, the, the COVID crisis, but anything over the past year impacts uh, impact client perceptions and, and client needs for law firms? And what are some of the greater opportunities for, for law firms to be client-centric in, in this current climate? Yeah, I, I, it's a great question. And I, I think the, uh, the idea of being a client-centered law firm is, is really making sure that the way you're delivering your legal services 
orbit around what your client's actual needs are. And, and to put the work into, by the way, actually understanding what your client's needs and wants and, and desires are, to build empathy for them and, and to understand the broader context that they're trying to navigate in their personal life and, and what kind of problem they have that, that you're there to help solve. And I, I think all of those concepts are more relevant than ever in uh, the COVID-19 landscape that we're all navigating today. And it's important for every real lawyer to realize that even if they had gone through the exercise of becoming client-centered in on or before February of 2020, realize that you need to restart that process from the ground up in a COVID world to understand what is the new context that your client is getting. How can you recalibrate and redeploy your legal services to meet the needs of your clients that they have today? And, and for law firms that, that were maybe not very client-centered prior to COVID-19, this is a great opportunity to tear up everything about how you were delivering legal services before and reinvent and reimagine the way you're delivering legal services in this COVID-19 world. And the last thing I'll, I'll comment on is, is what we've seen is that the law firms, and, and we see this very clearly in our, our new legal trends report data as well, law firms that exhibit behaviors that demonstrate that they're client-centered have seen significantly better performance over the course of COVID-19 than their peers who are, are not. And I think that's a very clear signal to pay attention to that, that this, is, this is one of the keys to success. And if there's ever been a moment in the history of lawyering that being client-centered is uh, a, a transition and a shift you should make, COVID-19 is presenting us with that, uh, with that opportunity. Well, Jack, just like how the last seven months has flown by, so has the last 40 minutes, it seems. Uh, as is tradition, we'll have to circle back for a follow-up episode. How does that sound? <laughs> so much good. to cover. Um, and again, flipping the uh, script here, we, you often ask your guests, what message do they have for our audience or the broader legal industry in general? What is your message for our listeners? Yeah, I, I think my current perspective on, on that, Andrew, is, is really that I want the optimism that I talked about at the, the onset of this interview to, to be something that um, maybe I'll call back to and re reiterate, which is despite the fact that there is an enormous amount of uncertainty out there and, and obviously a, a set of negative and depressing headlines that all of us are looking at every day, don't forget that there is enormous need for lawyers out there today. There is all forms of uh, social injustice, uh, COVID-related issues, non-COVID-related issues that consumers are struggling with today and need lawyers that have empathy for those problems to help them navigate to a solution. Uh, the opportunity now is to be client-centered and to rethink about how you're meeting that need and how you'll be meeting the, the forthcoming tsunami of, of legal need. Uh, maybe the, the metaphor to use here too is I, I think while some law firms feel like the last six months have gotten quieter for them, I really believe that's the, 
the water going out before the tsunami hits. Uh, we are going to see a huge spike uh, in legal needs in the coming months and in, indeed the coming years. Uh, and we need innovative lawyers to figure out how to stand up and meet that demand uh, using methods of delivering their legal services that are innovative and different than they were previously. And the last thing I'll comment on is that there is an unbelievable opportunity to experiment right now. And this is something uh, that, that shouldn't go unsaid because there's been so much inertia, I think traditionally around the way legal services are delivered, partially because of concern around how consumers will react to changes in the way that they expect legal services to be delivered. And the reality is that with, again, thanks to COVID, everything's been turned on its head and consumers are pivoting and adapting to huge changes in every aspect of how they experience their daily lives. And changes in how they access and consume legal services are changes that they will not only expect, uh, but they'll welcome those changes. So look at this opportunity as a rare, not even once in a lifetime, but really once in multiple generation opportunity to pivot and to innovate and to try new things and to have permission from the marketplace and permission from your peers uh, to experiment and innovate. So that's maybe the, the closing thought. I'll, uh, I'll leave us with Andrew. Great note to end on. As yeah, you said. that is that is a uh, fantastic call to arms for for the broader legal industry. Uh, Jack, on behalf of the three of us, want to thank you for for taking the time to chat with us today, uh, and also thanks for the opportunity to to work on this podcast and and kind of bear witness to the conversations that have yep. taken place over the past hundred episodes. Um, I know and personally. Sorry, uh, Derek, similarly, I was going to say uh, thank you to the three of you for doing such a, a phenomenal job of producing uh, this podcast over the course of the last six months. It's been one of the highlights of my career at Clio. So um, thank you for that as well. You are extremely welcome. Uh, really looking forward to your keynote tomorrow and the, uh, the longer Clio Cloud Conference. I think uh, it's going to be a very transformational event for the legal industry, as it often is. Thanks for joining us on Daily Matters, a podcast from Clio. Rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Daily Matters is produced by Andrew Booth, Sam Rosenthal, and Derek Boland, and hosted by yours truly, Jack Newton. Thanks also to Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal technology provider for supporting this podcast. 